Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So welcome everyone to the Property Duo episode, James, episode 18. Episode 18, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flying through. This is, for the for the OGs in the room, this is going to be one of the last Property Duo episodes. Ooh. Sad times. Oh, you Sad didn't know about times. that one. Me and James had a falling out. Um, he's getting too big for me, for the gram. No, no, no. So I just said, look, you know what? That's <laughs> just such a dick. You go be famous. You, you and Grant Cardone, go sell stuff. I'm just going to be little old me. Um, no, I'm kidding. We're, we're thinking of maybe some new stuff or maybe taking a break. Um, we've got to, we've got to, you know, end it on a, on a, on episode 20 and then come back with something unique, something different, maybe something physical. Mm. Coronavirus pending, not that James follows rules, but coronavirus pending for those of us who do follow lockdown. Oh, daddy, what is this noise? <laughs> oh. <clears throat> <laughs> Apologies to people because there's um, some drillings going on. So someone just fell off a ladder, but have insurance. <laughs> <laughs> there's some drillings going on, so there might be some noise in the background. So just ex- we're property developers, so this is all part of property, right? You know, we're on it's site. Very authentic, very authentic. Yeah, very authentic. Is that on my screen? Yeah, fine, James. So everyone today, welcome to the podcast, and we are talking about nothing but everything. But something, but nothing, but a bit of every, but a bit of this, a bit of that, a little bit of this. Uh, we actually do have topics, but really, we thought, you know what? Every single episode has been topic, topic, topic. Here's a thing. Today, we're just going to chat and have one of those chat show type podcasts. You know, people people quite like those. I don't like myself, um, but I think people like them because there's value to be had in the little nuggets that we share. Isn't that right, James? Uh, yeah, I think I agree with you, man. Just a bit of a random chat. I always say to people, whenever I do my podcast, I don't have no structure. There we is can no tell me. Pod- we can all tell. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Some of the stuff that was said about my podcast yesterday was just so great, man. I loved it. I walked out of this podcast with the biggest head ever. My head just swelled. People said oh, they just love me. You know, it was great. <laughs> See, everyone is too big for the duo now. So obviously, oh, shut up, man. <laughs> right. So um, why don't we start with what happened last night? So I was looking at an auction catalogue in London. So just I'm just doing some research for future stuff, and that's a topic we'll kind of cover. I came across this plot of land, and it was pretty much the only one that really interested me out of all the lots. Most of them were kind of already refer- – they weren't – you couldn't add a lot of value to them, right, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. they didn't even, I didn't even find any short leases. I didn't even find any legal issues. It was just like – this is a standard. So one plot, one lot out of – it's like 200 in the catalog 200 lots in that one yeah mad actually there was some stuff in my investment area which i was like whoa so i'm keeping on that um so one plot i found and i said james this this postcode looks like your sort of ends what do you think and james tell me how you you know about this plot of land you know what i when you sent me that link last night i thought you were taking a piss out of me I literally thought you were taking a piss because you know I forgot to bid on something because I was having a spot of lunch when this lot came up. So literally, you know what? It was actually actually a vegan steak bake. Close. Nice. Okay, yep, vegan steak. So here I am munching away this vegan steak bake and I missed this plot. And you know what? I look back now and it could have been a godsend. But the fact that we both picked up on this same plot was amazing, you know, because this was... For me, it was it was kind of like the run-of-the-mill stuff that I do with new builds. I looked at the design and thought, wow, that looks sexy. That looks really nice. It looks, looks like your very, one. Yeah, it looks very, very similar to the one I just finished. So I look at this plot of land. I think, okay, it's in an up-and-coming area of East London. It's very close to Westfield. It's very, very close to transport links. Gets you into the city very quickly. And if I'm honest with you, I was actually looking at it for my mum because I thought, you know what, this would be nice for me to buy because she wants somewhere new. And I thought, you know, this is a, such a nice, it keeps her in the area she wants to stay in. It keeps her very close to transport links, to all the shops, to all her friends. And this would have been a really nice little retirement pad, you know, a new build, 
It could have been designed exactly how she wanted it with all the things she wanted in it. So it wasn't so much for me to make money on. Well, you know, eventually it would have been, but uh, it was more so to get her something really, really nice. And I started looking and I thought, this is piss simple for me. You know, the land's there, the planning's there. All I need to do is get my team in. I knew how much it was going to cost me. And I'm thinking, happy days. This will work really, really well. Um, And then I started doing some research. And when I shared it with you, so the best thing about this site is I actually know the guy who bought it in 2014. Now, this is what you need to hear. This guy went to auction, Auction House London, 2014. He bought this plot of land for £7,300. £7,300. And I can almost, exactly. I can almost guarantee you at the time when he purchased it, everybody would be like, oh, you bought a little bit of land at the back of a car park, you dick. What's wrong with you? And it's landlocked as well by gardens, by a private entrance, which we'll get to, and like something else. So it's, it's not exactly a dream piece of land. Oh, hold on. What's going on here, man? Bloody hell. Get out. It's working now. Look at this. Uncle having a breakdown, everyone. Sorry, sorry please. Sorry, 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 sorry. Have you had your hemp tablets this morning? You, you everything okay? Am I with you? Am I with you? Yeah, it's going in and out. I think your son's watching Peppa Pig or something. Yeah, so so like you said, it's landlocked. So it's you look at this site and you would think to yourself, you know what? Oh, man, will I get planning? Will I not get planning? Will I get planning? And this guy was clever enough to take a punt. Now, I would have taken a punt at £7,300 or whatever it is. <laughs> you would have taken a punt at 700 grand, mate. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Let me finish, man. Cussing later. Uh, so, yeah, so guy's called Abu. He went ahead and bought it. And he's a really, really nice chap. I only know him, like, because I know he's an architect. I don't know him, know him. I just know of him. I reached out to him and I said, hey, listen, Abu, I'm thinking of buying this plot of land here that uh, has come up for sale and it's got your details on it as a contact. And he goes, look, now he goes, for me, this was a pure planning uplift. He goes, I bought it. I put the planning on it. It took me about a year and a half to get planning on it. And I sold it. And I think at the time he sold it at the top end of the market, probably for about 120, 130,000 pounds, which would have been peanut money again for land with planning in London in a zone three postcode. Yeah. So... But then the the remarkable thing was what he said to me. He said, James, you do realize it's been sold three times. So he sold it once. It's then been sold again. It's then been sold again. And I don't know if this auction was the fourth time it's been sold or the third time it's been sold. But he did say to me, it has been sold previously. So I'm not entirely sure (coughs) what was going on there. but But that leads us to when I called you and we said, what would it cost to build? There's about a hundred grand's worth of you. You're glitching on IG again, but it's fine. Just let it go. Um, there's about what? 150 ish grand of profit. I think conservatively, if it could be built. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at my build team and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, sorry, man, I don't know what the hell's going on with this. flipping oh, internet. James left Someone's... and property duo two episodes early. Oh, well, oh, I'm, coming man, I'm coming back in. I'm coming back in. I'm coming back in. <laughs> All right. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, technical yeah. issues, technical issues, technical issues. <clears throat> I guess it's harder than a fax machine to work, isn't it, James? Instagram. Um, so, with... <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? I've got all the testosterone it. from the gym. Um, I can't help it. I can see a virgin van outside, so I can only imagine he's pissing around with the connection. I might shout out to the window from him and say, Oi! Can you stop? Oh, Gazer. Right, so we, we, we discovered there's a good bit of profit. And then you said to me, hold on, it's been sold and bought three or four times. And we said, look, it could just be that people have made various levels of profit off it every time. Um, or it could be there's an issue. Now, I went and read the planning the planning online on the portal. Obviously, you can do that for free. You just type in the reference code of the address. Mm-hmm. And a few issues came up. The first thing is this outline planning. So... James, that's different from full planning, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. a lot can change. Are you, are you sure you were reading the right document? Because I, I saw a full <laughs> planning agreed with seal payment um, estimated, and I saw a full planning application. I saw outline with reserved matters. Okay. Well, it said have condi- conditions on a planning app anyway. And maybe. I'm pretty sure it was outline, which was the first okay. issue I saw. Um, okay. And then the bigger issue, and this was interesting, this was two comments from residents who lived next door to it. So imagine you got this landlocked plot of land, some back gardens here, they're irrelevant. But to get to the land, you have to go across a housing association's privately owned land, 
which is privately reserved for the parking and use of the residents. Now, mm-hmm. two of these residents are disabled and they need and legally have 24-hour access to their cars and also to someone to come and care for them. Now, this, this new build, essentially, imagine you've got the end of the private land and car park, the land's there where you're going to build on. They're just going to cut yeah. a hole through here, build a door yeah. and come in. Um, the issue is, you're, according to this resident, and it kind of makes sense, you're trespassing in terms of that is private property to access yours. There's no right of way. There's no agreement. There's no sort of covenant or anything. So this land is landlocked, but also by land that would prove one legally very difficult. If you want to sell this house, the owner's going to say, hold on, I could actually be blocked from getting in my own house because this land is privately owned. Um, And if this person, you know, if they need 24 hour access and they're disabled, you've got to think, hold on, how are we going to get builders in? Where are they going to park? Where's all their crap going to get? There's an issue there. Um, Obviously there's ways around it. Um, And in, but the, the thing for me was in the application, it just said, the housing association have been informed. It wasn't, you know, clear. Yeah, but dude, you look how big the car park is. I mean, I understand they're disabled. You know, unless they weigh six hundred stone and they need flipping space yeah. for ten cars to lift them out with a crane, it's totally different, man. It's nonsense because that land used to be a builder's yard. It used to be a storage yard for wood. So it's always had right of access. And and I the, actually the house that I own at the moment. To the side of it, I've got access down that path, but I've actually gained access over time because I've been using it for so many years, so many years, so many years. I've claimed legal right of access over it. So the same thing could be happening with here. If you know, if somebody's been going in and out, in and out, in and out for so long, you've got a legal right where you can claim a right of way because you've been using it for so bloody long. But the last time it was used was 70 years ago, wasn't it? As a timber yard? It was on the document. It was last used... Was it 70 tim- years? It was wow. like 1948, or so, if I remember correctly. Or, or something, it was in the 1900s, I believe, b- during the First World War, Second World War-ish. Um, so that's why, I'm, that's why I think maybe people are selling it on, because maybe it, it's, it's been used, then it stopped. Maybe they never applied for legal right. Maybe before there was a housing association, there was just land or a farm or something else. So maybe in a different world back then, it was easier because otherwise apart from land contamination which doesn't necessarily make sense because of what you said why else has it sold three or four times because the profit's there right the margin's there so for me that was my analysis of it as a, someone who doesn't do development that's what i saw as a potential the, the thing issue. is the thing is you would have been put okay so the council owns this land yeah or the housing association mm. or whoever when you put in for planning they would have picked up on that because I've had it here where I've, got so, yeah. t- where I've got a tight site that I put planning in for. The first thing they said to me was, okay, there is an issue here with right of way. Can you provide us with a document that says you've got right of way? And I had that document, but they were able to tell this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about this one, man, what's going on. But there is something definitely going on because you don't buy a piece of land for that cheap and not build on it. Simple as. Yeah, and especially to sell it on three or four times. And yeah, they may have made a bit of profit, but people know when stuff's sold. Like the fact that we know means a hundred other people know. So it was quite an interesting little investigation reading these comments and like looking at it because in the planning list, there was no comment from highways and the planning decision mentioned something about access, but it just said, it was very generic. It just sort of said access is noted or something. It was kind of weird like that they didn't mention specifically they have a right of way maybe it's in the title deeds maybe it's in the deed for the land maybe it says regardless of that that was a sexy looking building man it looked, it looked like your one yeah what it sell for 105 grand yeah mm. so what's the figure reckon, tell us what it gone 105 grand even at worst case scenario i reckon i could get that building at 140 completely finished considering what i've just been through with a build and their most accurate costs mm-hmm. what has he dropped is he testing the alarm now, Fudgy? <laughs> oh my god! No, I'm just, I'm just being burgled. That's, I'm just letting it happen because the duo is more important. <laughs> You're such. You need to, you need to vet your tradespeople, man. Nah, man. Let them just let them ruin everything, and it's standard. It happens anyway. Yeah. They do it anyway. So 105, say to buy the land. Mm-hmm. Say 110 by the time you put your legals in, maybe a little bit more, and then say 140 to build it, dude. 
being conservative here, I reckon that place is worth 450 grand all day. As a one-bed house? It's a two-bed house. Okay, that one bed downstairs? No, no, two bedrooms upstairs. It's a two-bed. Wow. It's not one bed, it's two-bed. That's a good use of that. So what? So you're all in for 250, selling at 400 conservatively? Yeah, I'm saying 450 conservatively, dude. I mean, that is an incredible deal. And again, this this is what makes it more worrying because you're like, hold on. Why has it been sold three times? Yeah, I know Brexit. Yeah, I know coronavirus. But even if it sells at 350, that's still a good percentage on your cost. And it's still a lot of money for something that for Listen, a lot of people is forget, pretty standard. Forget about reselling it. Look at the BRR on it. Oh, yeah. In London as well. And, and that would rent for £2,000 a calendar month easily. Wow. Okay, of course, yeah. Zone 3 is in that part of London. Yeah. That is, I mean, look, people say you can't do BRR in London. I guess, well, you've done it, haven't you, with your with your new build. So yeah, it can be yeah. done. But I guess if it's been sold three times and people have had to get rid of it because of a bad reason, I think it's like there's three mistakes that we could have made. You know, like there's three things, there's three times we could have lost money. There's three people who have lost money maybe or had issues with this property James, how would, in this situation, how could we find out what it is? For people who are thinking, well, what, what do we do? Because it sounds great. Is it dead in the water or? Do you know what, what as in assessing the deal or seeing where well, you'd go with it now? Well, saying that it's now sold for the fourth time. Let's say it didn't. Let's say it was on auction in a week, whatever, for the third yeah. time. But we'd, we, we just have this discussion. So we're at this position. What could we do now to understand why it hasn't been built and why it's sold so many times? Is there anything? The first thing I would do is get my solicitor, Ben, involved. I'd get him to kind of scan it all through and get him to read every single legal document because I found previously Mm. Ben seems to spot stuff that other people just don't, you know. Mm. Well, me anyway. And he spots tiny little things that I've seen regular solicitors miss. So my first point of call would be to send the whole pack over to him. He might charge you 250 quid to sit there for a weekend and read it. But if there's anything fishy going on, he's going to find out about it. And he's one of those solicitors. He doesn't like to churn a lot of work through. He's very picky with what he does. He likes to take stuff on that challenges him mentally. You know, for him, it's not about money. And he said this to me previously, he goes, I like to take cases on that are difficult, that I can win, where I'm having a good fight. He like he almost likes a little bit of beef, you know, mm. like paper beef, paper beef, court beef. And he loves going to court in front of judges and presenting tricky cases and walking out winning. So uh, first thing I would do is send it to him. And then the second thing I would do is someone like John McDermott, town country Mm. planning. You know, this guy's he's a flipping whiz. Within 15 minutes, he can normally tell you what's going on. You know, with the use of something like Nimbus Maps, he's going to be able to go in and check title deeds on land, see if there's any covenants on it, contact the right people. And again, for a fee of around £450, he'd do a full-on kind of survey, like a full-on study on it for you. So say 600, 700 quid in, and you know exactly what's going on with that land, which means you could be walking into that auction, arming yourself with some serious knowledge. Whereas I can almost guarantee you people buying it in an East London auction are going to be chest out pumping. Oh, I'm going to buy that land. I'm going to buy that land. I'm going to build it. You know, a bit like you I would think- do. <laughs> uh, no, I have a, I have a certain technique for auction rooms. I think the old that, pump going on though. Yeah, boop. Obviously, uh, I think what's important there is you said that these costs, right? Now these costs add up because if you're looking at land, you're not looking at that one deal. You're looking at ten others. So, and if you know, listen to Richard Little. He's been on both of our podcasts. Has he been on yours as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. always says he spent like tens of thousands of pounds on deals, and they're like, oh, doesn't work. Oh well. So, if you're going to be analysing and really, really doing your due diligence if you're not a solicitor or a land planner yourself, it can cost you, you know, 700 quid per bit of land. Also, if it's an auction, you're not going to win it. You haven't got offer accepted. Like you may, you may not, but again, you're wasting 700 pounds for something that may not happen, but you kind of have to do it. So I think you have to- Yeah, have but look at, look, at a, look at a flip side, Ted. If you spent that 700 quid and you walk in there and you know something nobody else knows and you're bidding, you're going a little bit higher than everybody as well yeah. because you've done your homework. You've literally walked in there thinking- I know something you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And you could also walk around, 
you know, I've seen this done before. You know, it's bad to say. I don't want to kind of put people in a in a in a kind of thing in a in a in a group. But when I've been to a, a London-based auction and I've seen the Jewish community bid, bid in, they they've actually had someone who go and stand next to someone who's bidding and saying, "You don't want to buy that." And they've got some guy in the corner buying. If you ever go to a London auction and you watch the Jewish community buying properties, it's really cool. Because if they want to buy a property, like I saw a property start at 300. The guy put his hand up and said, 550. Straight away, I'm not, what? what the hell's wrong with you? And, and the auctioneer goes to him, he goes, listen, he goes, I own every house down this road. That's the one house I don't own. I'm <laughs> buying it for whatever it sells for. So... You know, if you're walking into an auction armed with information and you know stuff other people don't, and you can almost guarantee you're you're going to get a great deal. But if you're walking in there even ten percent unsure, and you know, you know, you could lose a hundred and five grand. I don't think you'll ever lose it because you could chuck it through and sell it to some other idiot. But I think that's that's a really good point. I've done that auction before, except it was guided at thirty five, and I said forty five, so not as big of a jump, but I did win it in one bid. Um, so it does, that kind of thing does work. I mean, going up by that much like they did is, is pretty crazy just as an aside, but it can work. It can absolutely kick everyone out the, out the equation. I've had people, um, where I'm bidding an auction and they're like standing behind me and they're not serious. I look at them like joking and they're just like making comments. Like when you're bidding, like, Oh, nah, bro, you don't want that property, bro. Nah, man. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, is there an issue? Put your hand up if you want to bid in it. And then he lost and he walked said, out. You, you, you should have said, I don't remember having a brother. Have we got the same mum? <laughs> nah, he was not as he was not as caramel sauce as me. Um, so yeah, people people are weird in auctions. But anyway, that's a different topic. But yeah, land, uh, you need some capital, you know. Don't sort of go into it thinking, you know, there's not going to be sunken costs, because there are going to be sunken costs. Yeah. However, yeah. imagine if this deal you spent 700 quid and you'd already spent 10 grand on some other crappy deals. You're making 150, 200 grand profit. I mean, you're going to be sitting there laughing. I spent what on what? Forget that. So it's, it's like numbers game, right? X many viewings, yeah. X many deals, X amount of money wasted, carefully wasted, learnt, is X amount of money made on that one out of five or whatever that, that comes oh, come to on, you, right? Come on, Ted. Richard says it all the time, man. He goes, you know, you're going to always be skint when you're in new builds. You're always mm. going to be skint mm. until it's sold or the market's risen and you've made money. And it was Even the same with me. When I was doing my new build, it was just like, you know, money was, it was sinking. It was just coming out. Like the kind of costs involved, but you say, you know, right. When you get to the end and everything, all the, all the paths are aligned and you get a great valuation or you break the ceiling price, then it's all worth it. But the journey along the way, yeah, man, you're sinking some serious costs. Yeah, you are. So, so be prepared for that. But you know, there's some interesting things you can do. Like if you're going for planning uplift or planning gain, I forgot what it's technically called. Um, that you can like crowdfund the planning cost or there's like another way of doing it where you can raise them the planning cost and you give people 50%. But if you don't get planning, they get, they lose their money. There's some, I don't know, there's some weird ways that people raise money for it. And some people are game because they're like, well, it's a risk, but I could make 50% in three months or whatever. So there are ways, and I believe you can crowdfund some elements depending on the platform. I'm not hundred percent sure, but it can be done. So there are ways to fund it. Um, but of course, be responsible. My, uh, boring my cousin's my cousin's doing something similar like that with a farmer who's got some farmland, mm. and they're going in for planning. So what they've done is literally the farmers in on board with giving them the land at a certain price if yep. they get planning. They've got an architect's firm who's come in as well at the same time, who's taking a share if the planning goes through. They've got town country planners, consultants. So it's costing them very little fees initially, but everybody's going to get a chunk of the cake if things go through. But if things don't go through, everybody realizes they've spent a lot of time on this for nothing. And I think that's quite a good way to do it because, you know, let's say you pay your architect, let's just, for example, 10 Hey, that's a perfect way for you. Of course it is. They get get paid more, so I'm helping them. Let's say you pay architect 10 grand, but you say, look, if planning goes through, you get 18 grand. Yes, they could lose money if it doesn't go through, but they're not going to do that kind of strategy with you unless they're confident and believe and have done their research that's going to go through. Like people won't do it with you randomly, but they'll do it if they see, if you were a town planner and you saw a plot of land and you said, you know what, this is 100% going through. And then James said, you know what, I'll give you double on um, completion, but I'll give you nothing up front. You're going to say, yeah, absolutely. 
because you know it's going through. So it can work really well. Um, and ordinary landlord says, can it not be bought on any options agreement? Yeah, it can. You can do options. Um, I think a lot of people buy land on options and then either pull out if it doesn't work or just stay in it or JV with the landowner. Um, sometimes there's overages on land. They're entitled to a certain percentage of the uplift. I think it's a smart thing to do. If you own some land, chuck an overage on it. It can work well if it doesn't put people off. Mm. So James, how are you feeling about the world and coronavirus and just life, mate? How are you feeling? How, how are you feeling? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I'm feeling all right, man. You know, I'm oh, feeling okay. good. I'm feeling good generally. There was a small period a couple of weeks ago where I was like, oh man, what is going on with the world at the moment? It's all this shit, just negativity. I don't watch the news. I don't put the TV on because I don't want to put that nonsense in my brain every single mm. morning, man. Half of it's a load of shit anyway. It's all made up. And then, yeah. And then all this social distancing stuff, you know, I've been walking out on the street and I'm just seeing people getting pissed up in the pubs, like arms around each other. It's like, where's the distances going on here? And even the pub, like the local pub, is a nice pub down here. It gave up on taking people's details. You know, it just stopped. Is that the one you got barred from or is it a separate one? It's the one I got barred from, but I got <laughs> let back in because they got new owners. But, <laughs> but again, it was it was mad because I walked in there and the, the only good thing about this pub was they've got this new app where you just sit down at the table and you just order your stuff and stuff comes to you, which is great because like you're that. not waiting in the queue and you're fighting with someone and saying to some old lady, hey, I've been waiting here for a while, move, wait your turn. Or, you know, getting into a ruckus with someone. But yeah, that's the only good thing about it. But yeah, social distancing, man. I'm not seeing much of it at all. I'm seeing all the local shops around there saying, oh, you've got to wear a mask, mate, or you can't come in. I was like, listen, I'm coming in regardless. I don't care what you say. I'm going to get milk for my kid, you know. And some people are abiding by it. Some people ain't. Generally, I'm seeing a little bit of a nice uplift. People seem to be more positive because they're back mm. at work or they're doing things. But you know, one thing that really makes me laugh, I've been speaking to a few of my friends and they're like, oh, James, I'm on two weeks annual leave. i got three weeks annual leave. And you're like, what? You got what leave? You got what? How? What's going on here? You shouldn't be having no leave at all. You know, you've just been on leave your whole your entire last three months or since. No, they've been working from home. I'm joking. Working from home does work. I believe in it. I'm just joking. Yeah, you know what? I think it it takes the piss a bit when you see like people in pubs and all these places not social distancing. I'm not not against social distancing, but you're like, does does Boris, who's told Trump, Trump, sorry, uh, think that like it's going to help people stay compliant? If you see someone breaking the rules and it's fine. You're not going to follow them, especially not the law or something like the idiot says. So I think like it's not very, um, I don't know. It just doesn't set a good example, right? For people who are strictly following it and who are strictly wearing masks, it just then makes people less compliant. And then eventually there'll be no compliance. And then who knows what will happen? (laughs) The who knows, get it? WHO. Uh, So I think it's an interesting point there. And you know, I think people are more uplifted. I was in Kensington yesterday. Of course, darling, I couldn't go to Whole Foods. There's no parking, but I waved at Whole Foods. Um, And it was busy. Like it did not feel, I mean, the roads were less busy, but it did not feel like any sort of lockdown. Like people were on the roads, walking close to each other. It just felt like, normal you know and i think people is that, are just... where, you're, is that where you're moving to then because i know you've told people you're moving is it kensington um, no it's it's not to kensington darling unfortunately no <laughs> no not to kensington i wish no yeah I've got <laughs> um <laughs> I, I prefer chelsea actually i think chelsea's nicer a bit more greener um kensington's a bit busy for me you know you know uh but i was there because i was filming a podcast with someone who does flips in prime central london so i think up to like five million value and we were in his 2.3 million pound flat it was two minutes from hyde park a minute from like the national history museum imperial college all that kind of stuff um and it was beautiful i mean like the works the restoration works the level of detail the real marble it was just like a totally different level i mean look the kitchen cost 26 grand but even that, the whole reefer didn't cost as much as I thought it would have, given the right. value of the house. Um, but actually, four doors down... It's all, it's all relative, isn't it? If you've got something yeah. worth £2.3 million, you're not going to put a four grand rent kitchen in it. Yeah, exactly. But I just thought it would cost... <laughs> Unless you're called Ted. <laughs> no, no, I would not. Mate, if I was in one of those houses, 
I like spending on good quality. So I would spend, mate, German kitchens or whatever all day long, polished marble. Oh, mate, behave, behave. Um, and yeah, it was just interesting because it's a flat. You know, in London, you get those big, I don't know, Victoria, yeah. whatever they are, townhouses. Most of them are flats, right? So the flats were 2.3 million. Four doors down, there was some hedge fund manager who makes whatever many millions a year and he owns the whole fucking thing so it's literally like two four six like 15 million for this whole townhouse and you're just like the value of things and like perception of what things are worth by area is just crazy because sitting in this house i thought hold on this is a million pounds more than my whole portfolio in one house that's smaller than any single one of my houses but it's just mad. Like you just, you just don't, uh, you don't think about the value and how things change from prime central London to wherever. Right. Yeah. No, I true that. I think it, it was just quite eye opening and actually it was quite inspiring, you know, because when I first got into property, that's the kind of stuff that I saw, you know, like that is the kind of thing that I looked at and wanted to do was like the higher end stuff. So it's quite nice to see that. Um, and actually see that really it's not, it's not that, different i think there's different ways to add value um james people can't hear you on ig yeah i don't know what's going on man i think let me just turn something off i've got some flipping idiot trying to trying to okay that should be better the office phone is trying to ring in and come through to my uh, is that better can people hear james on ig please drop us a massage can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Hear me? Hear me? Hello? 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 It doesn't help if you speak louder. Greetings. That might help. <laughs> Greetings. Morning, morning, morning. Yeah, shut up. Right. So there's, there's different ways to add value in London, which I think you maybe know about, James, like planning uplift, like lease extensions. Um, they can't hear you, James. I think they're actually celebrating. They're saying, no, yes, we're so happy. no. Thank the Lord. I can only I can only see one message that says I can't hear you. There's five people saying no. Listen, I'm kicking you out, bro. You know what? You're ruining my my life. Can I I've come kicked... out and just come come back in? I've kicked you out, mate. Literally, seven people have said I've never had so much engagement before. I've had eight people saying no. What is this? Oh, shut up, man. Try and get a review on my podcast. I don't get eight people bloody giving it, do I? You cheeky little. Yeah. This is probably the worst episode ever. Your tech issues are just letting us all down, James. Honestly. I should, I should have upgraded my phone really shouldn't can't I? get the staff mate you should have upgraded your internet from dial-up oh man you're just frozen on my screen I don't oh know. you know what oh here we go 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 everyone on ig is loving yeah <laughs> i'm back i'm back baby's gone back mm. Oh, thank you. A bit delayed there. Finish that song off. I thought you were just going to step in like you'd pr- be able to predict what I was going to say next. We've been together that long. You should know. Mm. Can you hear me now? Good thing I got Mohit, sir. Mohit. Get your bite. I think this is the podcast with the most languages ever spoken. Hello, people. People. Can you hear James? Wait for that. Anyways, can I? Shall I continue my point? Or are you done with your little yes, technical yes, breakdown? Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Continue. Yes, they can hear you. Yes, thank you, people. Thank you. Um, there's many ways to add value in London, and sometimes it's legal issues. Like some of these properties that, like this um, person on my podcast had bought, took like a year to just solve one legal issue, but that added two, three hundred grand in value because everyone else ran from it. So it's the same kind of thing that I guess we find, right? I think a lot of people are comfortable with refurbs. Even if they're like a total wreck, people are way more comfortable with that than they are a legal issue. Because let's be honest, a refurb often is a lot easier and physical and tangible to understand than, oh, there's one clause which we need to get rid of and it'll cost 20 grand to get rid of it. It's like, what the? F-? I think legal, legal stuff doesn't make sense to most people. And why should yeah. it? It's, bloody it's a different language, isn't it, really? Yeah. And so it can really put people off. But I think what it did was it inspired me I mean, I'm looking at, I'm moving, I'm moving to Hertfordshire, which is like pff, half an hour away, 40 minutes away. It's a very similar area to West London where I live now in terms of like prices and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I'm looking at doing once the market, you know, gives me some signs, once God gives me the sign. Um, what kind of sign are you looking for? <laughs> I can uh, give you a sign. Oh, I'm sure you can. Woo! 
I, yep, I knew it'd be that. It was either two fingers or one. I was, I wondered which you'd go for today, but that's good. Um, when I get a sign, I'm looking at doing some flips, but also like just interesting stuff, right? Like commercial to resi, maybe commercial at the bottom shops and shops and tops as the shops and tops as they're called. Um, Rewind <laughs> inside. Uh, and then I was <laughs> on well, our networking event in Hackney with us MCing is going to be lit. There's going to be there's going to be no serious property talk. This is going to be MC all night, <laughs> all night. Uh, so, especially with Craig happened. joining us, yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, I'm looking at doing some interesting stuff. So, anyone who's watching this, if you've done stuff with permitted development, you've done stuff with planning uplift, commercial, commercial to resi, message me. Um, let's have a chat. I'll give you give you branding help in equal amounts. You give me stuff, knowledge about that. Um, I'm just now, and I love doing this actually. I love I, the scientist in me. I love researching. I love reading. Like that auction catalog, looking at 200 lots at 9 p.m. The fuck? It was, it was, I loved it though. So I'm looking at doing stuff like that. And I'm looking at James and doing some, maybe some new build with you, depending mm-hmm. on the market. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of, whilst I am, I'm keeping the buy to at the moment. There's going to be 12 or 11. I might sell one of them. Um, that's enough to, well, to be honest, it's more than enough for me to live my best. Could, could I get, could I do body shop moisturizer myself? Yeah, that's enough. To you know what, you know, yeah. you know what, Ted, you've always said, you've always said, let them forget. Now you've let them, now you're forgetting and you're moving on to something that you really want to do, you know, or a different strategy. Mm. I've always heard you say that once they're let, you forget and you move on to something else. So, you know, they're working nicely. You're just not going to be investing more in there, or are you still going to be buying stuff there? Um, I I might just buy like instead of three a month, maybe I'll just do one a month there, and then mm-hmm. just keep building up the passive cash flow slowly whilst I focus on generating chunks. Because the passive yeah. stuff's nice, but with chunks, I think it's quite nice because you can then take a percentage of it and say, right, that's going in some stocks and shares for the long term that's going into gold. Okay. The rest of it reinvest and keep going and keep going. Like I do like chunks. Um, I don't like flipping. I don't like waiting for stuff, but I don't know. I think there's some creative stuff I can do with my kind of legal mind and my analytical mind instead of refurbs. So, you know, you um, know, I know you take the piss out of me because I'm older than you, but also I think chunks will help you in the sense that the older you get, you really want to be getting your loan to value down on everything. You know, you don't want to be getting to, you don't want to be getting to 50 and sitting on 75% low to value. Oh, so no way. I feel every year you should be getting it down. And some people say it should almost kind of reflect your age, whatever age you are, that should be kind of your loan to value. And the older you get, the less it starts to get and get and get, but you know, you don't want to get to 50 and you've still got some deals that are sitting at 85%. No, no way, man. You oh, want to no be way. getting them right the way down. I want to pay my whole portfolio off in 10 years within 10 years or something i don't know whatever but i'm happy to have some leverage but yeah i want it to be below 50 in the next however many years so the chunks will definitely help um and actually speaking of that i think in about five years once all these um fixed rates have ended i'll probably go to lloyd's or someone and say look cover my whole portfolio give me a commercial type loan see if it works better um might be better, might not, but I've heard it's, it's something that you can do. You know, you know what? On on the subject of loans, I had a really interesting conversation with uh, Birmingham Midshires a week ago. So I've got three mortgages with them for a particular uh, deal that I've got. And they, some of them are coming and they're going to expire in two, three years time. So I said to them, I said, listen, what's the maximum I can increase this for? And they were like, sir, you can increase this for 20 years more. Like you can increase the term for 20 years because obviously you're still within the age. And I'm thinking okay, I didn't know about this. Ain't no broker told me about this. So they go, look, we can action that. We'll action that because your file's good. You've never missed a payment. You've always been on time. So they've gone and increased my loan for another 18 years. Okay, granted this interest only. But one thing they said to me that was really cool was they said, you can pay up to 15% a year additional. And that actually works out being way better than being on one of their repayment mortgages. So I'm thinking... Okay, so what you're saying to me is I'm on a buy-to-let product. You've given me all this extra, all these extra years, and you're saying to me I, I've got the option of paying 15% extra a year. I was like, yeah. He goes, do you want to fix on a like a, on a repayment plan? With us? I was like, why the hell would I want to do that when I've got this plan here and it's still flexible? So if there's a time when Corona kicks in again, 
I can drop back down to just paying what the minimum is. Or mm. when things are good, I get to the end of the year, I think, you know what? I'll chuck 50 grand on that. I'll chuck 60 grand on that. And chucking 60 grand on a loan, you'll be surprised how much it brings the whole term down by, you know, even chucking 10, 20 grand at additional at a mortgage, you'll be so surprised at how much the mortgage starts to come down by in terms of years. Yeah. So that was it, pretty cool. It is. And I think, you know what, you have to, like I've asked uh, my broker, Big Up Shaz, I said to him, look, I've got quite a few loans with foundation. I will happily give them all for now if they can give me some sort of, you know, will they do a, like what Lloyd's do, like, you know, will they give me a, a total cover for all of them on one sort of loan at a desirable rate? She's going to find out. I mean, they're going to say, no, who the fuck is this Ted guy? But it's worth asking, you know, for their benefit. Look, benefit, I'll, give look you, I'll give you five more properties. Um, you know, will you essentially put a loan across all of them? Right. So it's just something to do, um, something to ask people, um, ask your broker, ask the, ask your, um, ask your mortgage company. Um, James. Yes, sir. Uh, I've got some questions here. So, uh, M, what was it gone? M K mix 23 says, why wouldn't you let the capital growth repay most of the mortgage as opposed to paying it down manually yourself? What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I suppose there is that option as well. You know, in London, it does. The capital growth does go up. But what I tend to do is every time I see a nice spurt in capital growth, I will refinance, pull that money out and chuck it into two, three extra deals. So that's the only reason why I wouldn't do that, because I'd want to use that money to go into additional deals. And if I wasn't going to use that money in additional deals, I want to know that some of that loan is being paid back down. Because like I was saying, I don't want to get to 60 and still owe 700 grand on that particular deal. You know, because that's a scary amount. And with the way the banks are right now, if they turn around and say, we're calling your loan in, what the fuck do I do? Especially at that age when you may not be able to get a mortgage or a good mortgage product because of the, the limits they have. It may change, it may not. But it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like... Look, the bo- think bottom the line term. is the, high, the higher your... I think the higher your leverage, the more they're going to look at you and say, you know what, I'm pulling your loan in. If shit hits the fan, they're going to say, I'm pulling your loan in. But if you know, you're sitting at 51%, you, you've got the better say, you know what I mean? As long as you've got the bigger say in, in the picture overall, banks ain't really going to touch you. But if you're sitting at 80%, 85%, they're going to say, what the hell, man? i got the majority share here. I'm telling you what's going on. On your bike. And you're too close to any down, like if the market, like you said, drops, you're too close. Exactly. exactly. And therefore your LTV increases and they ain't going to like that. Um, uh, Amura Real Estate says he's enjoying this on the toilet. That's good. Nice. That's yeah, good. Yeah. I'm, we hope we're helping you. <laughs> we, we got audiences all over the place. All over the place. Eat high fiber diets. Um, Mohit it's says, a shitty uh, conversation. <laughs> Mohit says, how have you got so much bants? Why is your, is that the right grammar, Mohit? Or is it, why have you got, what's the right grammar for that? How much bants or many, too many bants? Uh, what's the grammar? Mohit, 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 how have we got so many? I, I don't even know how to phrase that properly. Um, Mohit says, Ted, what's your plan for the next five years now? Are you going to new bills instead of heavily focusing on brr, BRR? So um, I don't have five-year plans. I can't, I can't be, the, the, tomorrow is difficult enough as it is. Um, my next plans for the next six months are watching, waiting, enjoying rental income, um, getting everything on mortgages, finishing off the refurbs that are bloody waiting for plaster to freaking come in. Um, and then once that's done, I will buy some more buy to lets probably, but really now I'm heavily researching Hertfordshire, the areas to invest, finding my own place to live. Um, and then just looking at some different strategies, educating myself on different strategies, how they work, maybe doing some networking around that. Um, and yeah, so there, there isn't a five-year plan. There is a sort you of- know, you, you know what I really love about what you just said there? You've mentioned everything that's in the future. And in a month's time, you move, or less than a month's time, was it two weeks, you move to a new area, and you haven't even found yourself a place to live. What the hell? You sound like, you sound like Gina. Um, right. Shouldn't that be at the highest point of your list right now? When you said to me last night, oh, we're moving in, I go, so when you move in, Ted, and he goes, I thought he's going to say three, four months, six months. He goes, a couple of weeks, and we haven't found a place to live yet. But it's just calm about it. But I'm just casually reading the auction catalogue and looking for deals. Not really worried about where me and Gina are going to stay. We can just live in my car. 
<laughs> After where he didn't really say that, but I know that's what you're thinking. Um, no, I'd rather read auction catalogs. To be no, listen, we've put alerts on everything, and literally, there's nothing. The, lo- the last one we tried to view had 54 viewing requests, seven offers, and it was taken. And it wasn't, wasn't it was Magnolia. It wasn't that nice. So there's a real shortage of stuff in like Hitchin, where we're looking in Hertfordshire, to get, and even in the little villages around it, to get stuff. So actually. Yeah, she's pretty um, worried about it. But I'm like, nah, don't worry about it. I'm a property investor. We're going to find somewhere. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I also know like, when I put houses for rent, I get people viewing it three days later and they move in seven days later. So I know, you know, where... And also, if the worst comes to worst, it is 40 minutes away or 30 minutes from her. So actually, if we have to wait to find a better place, then... Um, oh, you're going to ruin her dream, man. I really hope she's watching on one of these platforms and she gives you a kick up your nuts later on. No, but the I'm sure she will. Someone will tell her. moving in together. You waste man. You've ruined it for her. You're a waste man. It's happening. No, no, you're um, a waste man. Thank you very much for your kind words. Uh, right. So more questions. Um, Mohit, what is your passive income per month target now? I think at the moment it's anywhere. Once all these are all let, it's, it's anywhere from 3,600 to 4,500 a month passive there's a big variation because of the service accommodation unit so that's why it varies James what's uh, my target was 10k let's see what happens I might just do chunky money which is basically the same things or James what are you thinking my well my target is 50k I want 50k a month I'm I'm not nowhere near that uh right now with the bits I've got going on probably about 12 13k so nowhere near where I want to be, but slowly creeping, creeping. By the end of this year, it will have a massive chunk added to it because we've got another 16 rooms being added. So Ooh, that will be a nice chunk nice chunk going on. But yeah, I think 50K a month is the number I want because I think that's going to allow me to do some serious stuff. On top yep. of obviously the deals that go on with the big chunks coming in. I love it. And it takes time, people. It takes time. It does take time, man. It takes time. It takes time. Uh SM Graham says, Ted, is your essay still running? Yep, it's had its best months during Corona. Um, for some reason, I think we had a contractor in there. Had the first negative review, which was all lies, because I was in it the week before. Um, so she left. Probably and, why? <laughs> you left uh, it in a mess. So, yeah, I had a party there. I did break my own microwave on the first night, and I was like, guys, the microwave's not working. So I had to warm up my spaghetti in the oven, which was okay. But they were like, Ted, you broke it. You're going you're gonna to get charged for this. I was like... So yeah, broke my own microwave. Um, but yeah, my essay is going good. Um, I believe, what is it now? The J- July, the, I'm getting the next payment in a few days. <clears throat> I predict it to be pretty decent. It's also now been mortgaged. The mortgage offer came last Thursday and the certificate on title, which is what they said, solicitor sends to the um, lender, was sent on Tuesday. Big up Insight Law. That's a three-day turnaround. I mean, let's be honest. Sorry, y'all. But remortgage solicitors, y'all don't really do much. Like... I sign the documents, you put your insurance on it, you do, and then you send it off. So I was like, mate, why aren't all my remortgages done in three days? Cheeky. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the drawdown should be next Monday. They have a five-day turnaround, I think, or next Tuesday. And then the essay will be mortgaged and it can start really making some money because there's not some stupid expensive bridge. The bridge is 400 a month. The mortgage is now going to be 191 a month wow 198 wow. maybe because they're charging more so yeah um time to make some real dollars um you know, i'm getting more than a month on council tax for some places jesus yeah i know it's ridiculous but yeah I, am i gonna get, gonna get another essay depending on the market and stuff if i can get a deal in that area i will 100 percent give it to this managing agent and say do your thing um i may just say do it as a rent to rent i can't be bothered buying the stuff but I'll definitely do another rent trend in, in a certain area. I think it's great. And honestly, it's the most passive thing I've ever done in my life. I do, I do no work. Other questions? Um, no more questions. Mohit says, geez, probably to your 50 grand a month. Uh, listen, it's a, it's a big target, man. Got a long way to go. And like Ted said, shit doesn't happen. Day. It's not going to happen quickly, man. It's, it's going to take time. Set the target, work backwards. That's what I say, man. Don't just be pissing in the wind with a target and think, oh, I want to hit that target. You got to ask yourself, how are you going to hit that target? You know, put the target there and work backwards on how you're going to get there. Simple. And if you know you need 
50 rooms or 40 rooms or 100 rooms or 20 buy to lets, then you know what you got to do. 100%. Break the sexy goals into tangible goals. James, what's the um, wh- what's happening in the property industry lately? Big wigs. What are people saying? Any more funny videos? Any more recommendations to not pay your bounce back loans back? Anything <clears throat> saucy going on? <laughs> No, I've not. I've not really seen anything funny at the moment, man. But one thing me and you were having a conversation about yesterday where I said to you, one thing that I've noticed in the market is that um, land with planning seems to be coming down. Whereas pre-COVID, that same piece of land that sold for 100 grand, I would see that selling all day long for closer to 200 grand. And I saw plots like that selling for that kind of money. So it's weird how land with planning is starting to come down. But your little stuff, you know, like your stuff up north that might be on the market for 50 grand pre-COVID and struggle to sell for 50 grand and might sell for like 45, 46 is now selling for 60 grand. So I don't really know what's going on here. And every time I speak to my agent up in the northeast as well, he says to me, he goes, look, there's there's a mad flood of investors and people looking to buy investment properties from down south that are trying to put their money into this cheaper stuff up north and what it's meant is it's good in the sense that it's made the market rise but it's not good for people that like us that are buying them all day long Mm. and you've got people coming in from london that might have a hundred grand in the bank and they're worried thinking shit if this bank goes pop tomorrow there's a good chance it could happen What's going to happen to my money? Because you're only insured for 85k aren't you? If you've got a couple of hundred grand sitting there you'd rather stick it in a property rather than it's sitting in a bank and then you don't know what's going on. At least with a property, you know the property might go down. But then when the times are good again, it's also going to go up again. If you have a bank account with Coots, do they protect more than 85k of it? I haven't a clue, man, but I'd imagine so. Yeah, because I wonder, like, I know super rich people put money into assets and stuff, but there's got to be somewhere that protects more of the money because rich people can't just have 85k protected. That'd be mad. Um, Exactly. I think, you know what, I think what we said yesterday is like land with planning is more risky than a tidy little buy to let for 50 grand, right? So I think people are now, because they're like, the market is some weird place. Let's just, let's just put it somewhere safer than deal with ground risk, foundational risk, or banks pulling out, not, you know, all the development risks you have, which are obviously greater than a buy to let, which you'll always rent. You'll always sell it on in some state price condition compared to some land. So, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting piece, but it makes sense with the instability in the market that people would look at that. Um, ordinary landlord says no coots don't protect above eighty five k. That's crazy. That's crazy. You need like a Swiss bank account or something. Ah, because it's by the FC FSCS. Interesting. Rich people problems. Can't wait to have those. Um, James, what is your process for? Uh, Amin says, what is your process for sourcing your uh, BR? He said BFS, your best friends for life. You just find me on the internet. Uh, what's your best, um, what's your way of sourcing BRRs? Open, this Instagram, open market, sources, agents, or vendors? Lol, sources. Um, no, it's not sources. Um Uh, in the northeast now my strategy the way that's working now is i've got agents that will bring a deal to me which has been it's been really nice i've been let into a close knit club where before you know it was only open to a few people because what you'll find is agents when they've got good deals it doesn't even need to go on a market they'll ring probably they'll have a they'll have a bank of maybe eight or nine investors that are really really good and they'll always buy and generally one or two phone calls and those deals are sold so being in with an agent like that is great because you're going to get the you're going to get the cream of the crop i mean the four that i bought two weeks ago they didn't even make it to the market you know uh, the first person to see them bought them uh, but his bridge fell through so he couldn't complete so next in line was myself it came straight through to me and I bought them you know straight away so I think when I'm sourcing or looking for something I've got agents bringing me deals now which is really really good place to be because it saves you a lot of messing around and you know that they know what you're looking for so they've already done all the kind of legwork on it and the and the kind of homework to give you what you want so that's all good um, sources no not really using any sources at all um, another thing I did this week actually was I threw all my toys out the pram. You're you're lagging on IG again. You um oh, you download your videos later, mate. Like you know what I mean? It's bloody eleven a.m. Yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on, man. This is office phones doing some nonsense. Your uh, editor's gonna have to edit quite a lot of this podcast. <laughs> join back, please. Join back. 
everyone's waiting everyone's like oh my god no where's james gone he's gone oh my god we lost we lost james we lost james this is why you need to join on zoom people so we can see your little faces see your pretty faces i haven't watched family guy in so long you're back um another thing i did james was i threw my toys out the pram so i put a post on facebook about um this seller this buyer taking a piss on one of my flips and I called the agent and said, listen, he's useless. He's leading me on. He's taking me down a garden path. He's not even done anything. <laughs> <laughs> and Did you really say it like that, yeah? I was definitely like, well, um, I'm not very happy and he's totally useless. So I'm putting it back on the market. So please, can you relist it? Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, Ted, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, you know, COVID's... Te- I've had three valuations in the past two weeks. I don't give a shit about your excuses. Oh, all of our deals are really slow. No, you are slow. Um. Mm. It's been way too long um, and he hasn't organized a mortgage valuation yet. And he only paid for searches on Tuesday, but the offer was accepted three or four weeks before um, the fuck. So I said to her, listen, this is urgent. You need to speak to them. And she emailed me saying, yeah, he's instructing his slip, blah, blah. So basically by the end of the day today, I'm calling them and saying, look, if nothing's happened, you are relisting this. I don't care if he spent 300 quid on searches. I don't give up. I am putting it back on the market. Yeah, yeah. I've got time for you to be wasting my time. I'm happy he spent 300 quid. I'm, I want him to lose the money. Happy days. Um, because he's just pathetic. Three or four weeks, it's just pathetic. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, and also, but by kicking my toys out of the pram, the agent finally did something um, and called him and was like, look, this is urgent, blah, blah, blah. The, the buyer's, you know, I mean, the seller's going to pull out, all this kind of stuff. But they're just too slow, you know? Like, they're just not understanding business efficiency i'm not i'm a business i'm not a person and the person buying it is an investor so it's a b2b transaction like i mean you know what the hell is going on so yeah i'll happily pull out and let him lose all his costs so sometimes you gotta kick your toys out the pram and be like what the hell are you doing because you're getting paid good money as an estate agent like do something in it please make yourself useful um yeah yeah you know it's your you've got a certain role to play as well in it so don't just be sitting on your ass thinking you're just going to cream the fee when it's due, get up and do what you need to do. And I really like those agents that are annoyingly, you know, over-involved. They're ones mm. that are ringing the agent, they're ringing the solicitor, they're ringing the other side, they're just bloody ringing everybody because they want to get paid. And you can tell those ones because every yeah. week they're following up, you know, and those ones are ringing your solicitor trying to get information. Your solicitor is ringing you saying, should I give him information? And you're like, no, nah, I don't give him nothing because I need a few extra days. <laughs> that's what that's what you need man like it's it's difficult to find them but so many of them just make excuses oh you know covid we're really busy you are always busy so that's bullshit okay if you want your fee you need to work for it um so it's like one of these things you just have to kind of be like whatever again hire slowly fire fast like you know yes you may pull out of a, an offer and go back on the market and wait a few more weeks but it's better to have a buyer with certainty than someone who can't even instruct his solicitors until two weeks after the offer's accepted. It's like, are you an investor or are you just a joke thing? Because you're acting like a joke. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to tell people how you feel and how you feel about their service. I'm mm-hmm. disappointed. It's such a, oh God, I feel it. It's such a powerful thing to say, um, especially when you kind of combine it with, you have a really good reputation. You know, I've worked with you before and I expect so much better from you. I'm really disappointed in your service. If people care, it cuts them deep. So you can use certain words um, to communicate your displeasure with people, which I'm totally displeased. And I'll be emailing them today with my lovely tone of voice. Amazing. James, we've reached the hour mark. Um, If people are watching this on IG, on Zoom, please take a picture. Please take a picture. Post it. Post it on your story. Um, Oh, look, James is doing the the million-dollar smile for you. Look at that. Look at that. Um, We will be back next week with our second-to-last episode, right? Episode 19 next week? Episode 19 is closing down on episode 20. Closing episode 20. So make sure you enjoy the property duo. It will be like you know gold. There's only a finite amount in the world, so it will be worth more. That's what's going to happen with the property deal. It'll be worth more in the valid, but a value, valid, value, knowledge. And you'll get to see us in real life as well when the new lot start. Hopefully well. you will. Uh, also, people look out for PPN Nightsbridge, my networking event. We are going to bring something back physically as soon as we can. Maybe a little daytime event, maybe in a, a certain posh location with a roof terrace. Oh, just saying, just saying. Keep an eye out for that. Right, um, James, five-day HMO experience. 
Um, if people are interested or want to find out more, DM one of us and we can send you details. Um, Instagram's ending in 30 seconds, so goodbye, people of Instagram. This will be saved to my IGTV. Bye, Insta. Everyone on Zoom, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we will yeah. bid you farewell. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.